Hello and welcome back to the first episode of Under the Lights this December. Just like Saints, we pride ourselves on being great for the first 45 minutes and then tailing off afterwards. So my name is Tom Murray. My name is Callum Wilson and this is Under the Lights. Callum, I began the episode there with a little bit of a theme. Um, past few games, well, I think it's actually we've it's been sort of the story of the season, but we've been we haven't been punished on it in the games before. Uh, brilliant first half, and then I'm not quite sure what Ralph says at halftime. Yeah, uh, Leicester sort of running along with that theme, as per Norwich and other games where uh, where the opposition manager makes changes at halftime. Uh, this time it was Dewsbury Hall. And as soon as that, that change was made at half-time, first thing I was thinking, and I imagine others, was, uh, right, they've, they've attempted to change the game. Let's see if that has a positive effect for Leicester. And let's see what Ralph can do in response. And uh, in the end, we're fortunate to get away with with the draw. The Liverpool game before that, obviously we haven't spoken, we haven't spoken since then. Um I mean that was you know didn't really go along with the theme. We uh, we were the ones on the on the end of an early goal mm. in uh, in that game after doing so well with the early goals prior to that. So we we'd I think before the before the Brighton game we uh, we scored in the first four minutes in three of the uh, three of the four games previous. The only one being that Liverpool game where I think they they probably scored in the first three. So. Yeah, I think uh, definitely something to um, to look at. Ralph mentioned after that Leicester game that some habits were creeping back in. And then we'll go on to the Brighton game. But I, I, I don't feel, although we were winning at halftime, drawing by full time, I don't feel it personally that it kind of followed that trajectory as such. But we'll go into that. Let's start with, um, start with Liverpool. It was a long time ago now, so we'll just touch on it briefly. But... Bad day at the office against uh, one of the top sides in the world. Yeah, uh, we we set up completely wrong. Ralph admitted that in his post-match interview, although um, I don't know why he waited until half-time to change it when you're already 3-0 down. I know coming from behind to, to get anything against Liverpool is quite a tall order anyway, but to leave it that long just to sort of damage limitation was a bit uh, frustrating. Uh, if, if I was to look at any positive against Liverpool was we created a lot of chances where we really, we really should have scored at Anfield at least once. Adam Armstrong had a great couple of opportunities. We started the game. I mean, the first 30 seconds of the game, we started strong. We almost had a chance, <laughs> got a corner. And then of course, Liverpool went down the other, the other end. So I guess you could say, well, it, it could have been oh so different had we taken that chance at the start, but no, uh, Liverpool once said cottoned on to the way that we had set up they were licking their lips and to be honest uh, Liverpool I was dreading another another heavy heavy defeat towards the sevens or eights possibly what what did you make of the decision to go with three strikers um, in a game against well one of the hardest games you're going to play all season I know we've done well at Man City we've done well um, at Chelsea a couple of times League and Cup but I mean, we said, didn't we, our prediction was that this would be a bit different and we would struggle. So why would you... What was the thinking from Ralph to not only go with two strikers, which is attacking enough, but to go with three up the pitch? And, how, and what did you make of this use of each of them individually? 
Well, I think that Ralph wanted to sort of go sort of man for man against Liverpool, um, play play our game, uh, sort of match them up as it as it were. And uh, again, we did create a lot of chances because Liverpool do play uh, quite. Um, uh, quite a dangerous game, you know. They they're very they're very good at keeping possession, but they also play it with a quite a high risk strategy, especially at the back. You know, Allison Van Dyke, they're all happy to play one twos in and around the penalty area. So if you have three attackers trying to win the ball and press high, then you've got you're giving yourself as much chance as possible to try and win the ball in those high areas. However, the th- the problem with that is. You once people get excited and that's what Liverpool is so good at. They give you that inkling that you think, hang on, we could get something here. Let's let's uh, put a few men forward, see if we can win the ball. And then suddenly it just takes a couple of passes and you've realised that you're left with three centre-backs up against Mo Salah, Sadio Mane, um, Diego Jota as well. And they're lightning quick. And, you know, they punished us very quickly. Saints... Yeah. On numerous occasions in the first half, looked like they could equalise. They're playing some at times. Where I thought, yeah, this is uh, you know we could work our way back into this. We look like we're scoring without actually having too many shots in the way that we were pressing Liverpool in the dangerous areas. And you thought, if we just win the ball here, we could we could get something. And then five seconds later, the ball's in the back of our net for two 0 because Liverpool have broken incredibly quickly. Yeah, element of naivety, I suppose, when it goes wrong. But again, you could do the same thing as we did against Man City and it went right and, and mm. you get the plaudits. But yeah, they're so good at transitioning, aren't they? And through the lines and those passes are high risk, but high reward as well. And they managed to cut through us. Um, why, why we didn't kind of go with the low block that so many teams try and do have some success with, you know, we, we're able to counter ourselves. And we're good at countering, and that's kind of that's that's our main way of attacking. So you'd think that away at Anfield, give them the ball, they wouldn't be shy in, in playing in our half, then try and exploit them on the break. Um, we we mentioned Jota prior to the game, said how I thought that he was the type of player that would score goals against us, and highlighted some issues that we'd had in the previous games, including that Norwich game. Uh, what did you make of the goals we conceded? Uh, well, the first one is just a very, a very good move pulled back and you've got to be chasing it. You've got to be following your man less than two minutes into, into the game. I know if he doesn't get it, then Salah probably doesn't get it. Um, but it was just far too easy to get in behind so early on in the game. Um, the second goal, frustrating. We try and clear our lines. It just goes straight back to them and, you know, it's across the goal. Third one. Uh, I thought was horrendous defending. You can't let Tia. It almost looked like we just stopped and there was some sort of issue, some sort of foul had been blown up for because Tiago just had all the time in the world just to go from about 30 yards out into the penalty area. Yes, it was a good shot and it was deflected. Left McCarthy. I don't know if it was on, if it hadn't been deflected, if McCarthy saves it. Uh, probably not in his current form. But it was just the way that he was able to, he was basically given the the key to the city as it were and just waltz forward and then the fourth one is just van dyke on the volley horrendous goalkeeping right at you letting it go through you but you know it, it just seems to be a running theme yeah, van dyke getting on the score sheet to uh, rub, rub salt, salt in exactly but i suppose someone with the amount of ex like saints players liverpool yeah. do have but yeah jota 
and Trent got himself an assist as well. Like we said, you know, you're going to have to try and stop him, and we'd have to keep an eye on Jota because he's the kind of player we can concede goals against, and and mm. we didn't either. But yeah, it was against Liverpool. We were in the middle of um, three games where they scored four goals. You know, they've scored five a couple of times this season. You know, they will do that to teams, and we we said this would be a, a an extra game, a luxury game, and and it was. We weren't able to get anything from it, but we moved on. Um, as you mentioned in the, in the pod previously, what's good is that we had a game just four days later and we'd be able to kind of put that behind us and go from there. Um, another tough game against Leicester, but this one went differently. We got ourselves an early goal once again, and I felt like it was a game that we were definitely in control of. But again, sloppy goals, poor defending, even poor goalkeeping. And once again, find ourselves throwing away a lead, not once, but twice. Yeah, again, really frustrating. I don't know how the what the defenders must think uh, during those games where you do hold the other team off and then your goalkeeper is parrying a shot back into the six-yard box for a centre-back to, to poke home. You know, you do all the hard work of actually getting yourself ahead from... Uh, Two interesting, really good set pieces, actually. I thought they were against Leicester. We did try something different. We've looked terrible from set pieces this season. I actually was quite disappointed later on in the game that Ward-Prowse seemed to keep on laying it off to Romeo to hit it in, uh, which didn't work at all. Um, he's not been, been himself. I don't know if he was carrying a knock and couldn't kick the ball like a certain Alex McCarthy, but um, it was, uh, yeah, it was just, it, it's, it's just a real, it's a real shame because individual errors have cost us some wins. Uh, and say what you like about the Madison strike. Your goalkeeper should not be letting it in at that, at, from at that angle. Yeah. Yeah. He's hit it well. He's hit it hard, but you're a Premier League standard goalkeeper. You get a foot to that. You don't let it creep in. In like that one spot is yours to block completely. If he bends it into the top corner of the other side of the goal, then fair enough. But it's he's hit it in the place that yeah. he should be saving it ten times out of ten. Yeah, I think both goals were were tough to take. Really, the first one just about got away with the set piece, defended that. Then everyone comes up. Walker Peters isn't near enough to Madison. Balls floated wide. He kind of turns him inside out. Walker Peters really doesn't cover himself in in glory. One on one there gets the delivery in. Salisu half headers it away. He gets laid off, shot comes in, and that's where you want McCarthy going down to his right to just push the ball wide, push it behind for a corner. Somehow he manages to, I don't really know what he's trying to do, but if he's trying to gather it with his hand movements, but his hand movements literally move from outwards to inwards as if to push it back into the centre. So I don't know if maybe he thought he could gather it and it changed his mind, just got himself in a muddle, but he pushed it straight out to Johnny Evans, who's free and just pops it in the net. And then the, the, the Madison goal, uh, Liveramento looked off the pace. He looked mm. tired. He was getting beaten on the outside um, with some regularity, which is unusual for him. And in this instance, again, ball comes out. They, they, they get an overload, a nice little few passes. I think it's Thomas Dewsbury Hall were involved. And then Madison faints to sort of hit it left, turns inside, sends him for a hot dog, Liveramento. And then, as you said, players come in there's a few of them Barnes runs across the keeper by the end of the day when he shoots McCarthy's got eyes on it 
and he manages to hit the only part of the net that I think wasn't covered by a Saints body. Hits it right in that bottom corner from six yards, hits it hard and low. McCarthy doesn't have time to react, but he's, it's not like he's far from his near post. You've got to cover that. And once again, it is an error from the goalkeeper, but, but after the defensive errors. But the good thing is, you know, we did get two goals. I liked what we were doing with the set pieces. It came off early. Once again, we let up, we managed to get up our early pressure to to Tao with a goal from Jan Benarek, which I thought was um, was brilliant for him. He doesn't get many, so it's good for him to get on the score sheet, although he got injured. And then uh, a terrific uh, header from uh, Che Adams to keep his goal-scoring run going. Another assist from Nathan Redmond. Once again, you know, it was it was, it was a cross. Um, yeah, it wasn't straight from the corner, but he had that confidence to deliver it and. Uh, not sure what Soinchu was doing, but the ball's allowed to go over his head and a, a good diving header finish, tidy one from Adams. So at the end of it, you know, we'll take the two all. We were in front twice. We were 2-1 up at half time, but they had chances towards the end and McCarthy did make a good save. Vardy yeah. did um, miss a, a, a golden opportunity. But but once again, you, you've got to be looking at what, what is Ralph doing to change the games? What's he doing with his subs? Is he making the right personnel change? Is he making them at the right times? And is he reacting to the um, to the tactical changes that his opposite number are doing? And looking at the way that that game panned out, and the the longer it went on, the more likely it was that Leicester were going to win. I think we just need the final whistle. Um, you, you've got to be questioning once again, tactically, what are we doing in the second half? Are we burning ourselves out? It's a really good point that you make there. And from a tactical point of view, I just want to make the point here and feel free to correct me on this. But it seemed when you think about our performances lately, you look at the first half, you can name, you know, you can easily point out big chances that we should have scored from, big chances that we created, should have um, should have been three or four up. The, the real difference I've noticed is you then think really hard about the second half of a lot of the games that we've played. And you struggle to pick out one chance that we've created in that second half. And it seems that uh, I don't, we, we think, okay, have we made, a, made an opportunity to double the lead? Have we made an opportunity to get ourselves back in front in these games? And I genuinely can't think of chances in the last few games where we've had that in the second half. I think the closest we came against Leicester was maybe getting a ball into the box and Adams had a header. Um, but even that is very, very hazy. I can't actually, the only chance we had against Norwich really in that second half was the Walcott header. That one I can pick out. That's the only chance against the that we created in the second half against the team yeah. bottom of the league. Um, well, but, well uh, you know, history dictates that if you're winning a game, then unless you're a dominant side like Liverpool were against us, if you're winning the game by a goal, then you will spend some time defending because... The other team's got nothing to lose. They're throwing everything to get the equaliser and, and you you are defending a lead. So that is going to happen with Saints. This season, Ralph's implemented a different way of playing once we have that lead. And it was earlier in the season, it was to obviously defend that lead and then try and maybe hit on the counter. But we didn't even look like we had kind of a plan to do that. Working hard off the ball to defend what we have. I haven't seen that as obviously in recent weeks. But there obviously is still there's still an element to that because Leicester were chasing the game, Brighton were chasing the game, and we were giving them possession. 
And I'm happy for us to do that because we were organised, but we don't seem so obviously organised. We don't seem to have such clear organisation and, and structure from the, the instructions of Ralph to say, right, sit on the edge of our box, you know, two banks of four, get the two strikers working hard. We can sub them off because we've got options. It, it doesn't seem like that. It just seems like, mm-hmm. it seems more inevitable watching it that we we might concede. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe they need to work on that again, maybe less time on the training ground because we've had so many games. But I just feel like we, we, we need to get back to that because, you know, if we defended that halftime lead once again, and not created any chances, but we defended it, then fine. But I agree with you. It seems that we throw everything at it in the first half in the hope that we might be 3-0 up at half-time. And then we we, you know, we shouldn't really concede from there if we defend properly. But as, as Ralph said, we get those chances, but we've not got the players that are taking them at the moment. Mm. Um, same happened with Brighton. So many early chances and, and the goalkeeper really kept them in it. So... It's a, it's a strange tactic and a strange one to play as well when you're making your substitutions so late as well. Because mm. second half, you, you know, if you put in so much effort and such high intensity first half to create these chances and you have a 1-0 lead or, you, or a still 0-0 or 1-1 or whatever, but you're in the game and then second half, you relinquish control and you're chasing the ball, you're going to get tired unless you're literally just going to sit and crab along the back, yeah, the, the two banks of four and let your strikers put the effort in or your wingers and then have replacements for them. That sounds like a reasonable ploy, but it just seems to me like we're putting in loads and loads of effort to get a big lead. We're never getting a big lead. And then we spend a, exert a lot of energy just defending. And when it comes to the counterattacks, they're not even there. We're just kind of punting the ball forward and hoping someone will get on the end of it. You're completely right. And a, a point I wanted to, to, to add to that is it seems as though we can come down a gear from what we do in the first half, but we can't seem to get back up a gear. It's, it's like once we've gone, once we've stopped doing that, we find it really, really difficult to try and do that again. It, it, it's all, I know it was different against Leicester because they equalised in the first half. So we were still able to quickly uh, retake the lead because we had that intense pressure. But in the second half, it feels that as soon as the other team equalised, that's it. We're the, they, the other team are the ones that are most likely going to win this game because we seem to really struggle to actually go move back up the gears to retaking the lead because either we've burnt all of that energy, we've tried too hard in the first half uh, and haven't scored, but it just seems that we're we're unable at the moment to we're, we're able to slow things down, relinquish control, but we're not we we simply cannot go back up the gears and try and recreate what we do in the first half. I, whether we're tired or if it's another reason, I'm not sure. Yeah, no, I do, I do see that. I agree with that. I think once you let another team have possession and get on top of you, the longer you spend without the ball, the harder it seems to be able to a get it back, but then also keep it. Because once you do win it back you're deep in your own half and you and and you need to be very brave and very good to work your way out of those positions. So the, the, the game is taking place in a different part of the pitch. Best way to do it is to get it up top, have someone hold on to it, maybe win a foul, win a throw in up the pitch. But it's not so easy when you're punting upfield aimlessly and we don't, we don't get on the end of it. Mm. I do agree as well that we, 
with letting teams into it, the, the problem is that we don't we don't have much of a threat. So reading what people think Ralph is doing wrong, there seem to be different um, tactical kind of viewpoints on this. But for instance, the Brighton game, which we can come on to now, was I don't I don't feel like he did too much wrong because at the end of the day, the goal that we conceded was a circus. It was a freak goal, poor free kick, swung a left boot at the rebound in frustration, deflected through to their top goal scorer, six yards out, who would have been miles offside had, was, had Ward Prowse not decided to jump on the goal line, which we now understand was something to do with the goalkeeper being injured. Walker Peters asked the same thing. You know, all communication. But at the end of the day, the goal in the 98th minute of 10 minutes added time was one of very, very few chances that Brighton really created. And at the end of the day, if that free kick got blocked and cleared and we come away with a 1-0, then everyone would be praising another professional 1-0 performance where he's got the defence working well, a la Leeds, Watford, Villa, etc. And that would be another one. And, and, we, and we deserved the win. You know, we couldn't come away from it saying, you know what, we got away with one there like we would if we'd beaten Leicester. We, we deserved it. So, but the tactical viewpoints people were saying is, oh, you know, I, I, was, I was commentating on the game and I was saying, look, we do need to make some changes. They're making changes. They've made two or three. We haven't even made any. However, ev I thought every player was doing their job, maybe apart from Livermento, I thought was tired. <clears throat> but do you want to change the right back? There's another question. But you know, in terms of who do you bring off, you'd have to be quite um, brutal, quite cutthroat because no one deserved to come off. Everyone was playing well. But it's, it's about the team and it's about that energy. And what a lot of people were saying is they wanted one of the front two to come off, uh, maybe Adams because Brody had scored, to bring on a Diallo or someone to really pack that midfield and play a 4-5-1, which is fine. But then you've got other people arguing that we shouldn't be, you know, why are we being so defensive after we've got the lead? Why aren't we still attacking them? Well, you can't have your cake and eat it. What I'd like to see is to make early in the second half, to make a, a change in personnel up front, not necessarily structure. Game, obviously, the, the, the way the game's going dictates, but the, the Brighton game specifically, maybe take off Adams and bring on Armstrong with 10 minutes into the second half, knowing what we were talking about earlier, that we go from attacking teams relentlessly and then in the second half, we go to kind of sitting back and then we can't get out. We clear the ball up top and the players can't get to it because they're tired. They've been running after the ball. You bring on someone like Adam Armstrong, who's electric. We saw it at one point where he chased someone down all the way into their own half went to clear it, sliding block, brilliant, got a huge roar from St Mary's faithful. You get you get that and you've suddenly got an outlet again like you had at the beginning of the game. You've got someone fresh. I say maybe 50, 55 minutes, get someone on like that, change that up front so that we have that outlet. And then as the game goes on, you get to maybe 60, 65 minutes. If we are starting to get pushed back, then understand that Romeo and Ward-Prowse are doing the job of three men every single game and they are lagging, which was another point that people were making on um, on Twitter. And, and I agree with it. Maybe at that point, 
it doesn't even need to be a straight swap. Maybe take one of the strikers off and go to five in midfield. And then you've got kind of a, a solid back four. You've got one holding, then two working hard, including a Diallo's come on. And you two wingers and a striker. And, and, and just doesn't, Raph doesn't seem to do any of it. You know, against Brighton, I don't know how long he left it, but I, I'm, I think it was something like 75, 80 minutes by the time he actually made the sub. And although the players were playing well, and he'll say, you know, we, we were in control of the game, that's what he usually says. I don't care if we're in control or not, because at the end of it, we, we end up conceding and we need to, yeah, 81 minutes and 84 minutes. We made two subs, um, Adam Armstrong, Elianusi. So, and they were like for like. So no change of formation, no quick change of personnel. And by that point, Three subs had already been made by uh, Brighton mm. and then Trossard obviously went off down to 10 men and it was West Ham away all over again. But yeah, I, that's what I think he's missing. I think he's he's not changing things tactically. Even if he feels like we're in control of the game, the game is going to change. The, the, the later we go on, the more desperate the other team is to get a goal back and the less they have to lose because they're 1-0 down. And I did think we were the better side. Apart from that Morpai chance from sort of the penalty spot, which was saved by McCarthy straight at him. They didn't really offer much. And in the, in the end, we we're walking away from St Mary's 10 minutes later than we thought we would with uh, with two points less than we thought. And it felt, it felt like a defeat because we, you know, it, it felt like a defeat because we knew that we were the better team and deserved to win the game. It was just incredibly frustrating. And whilst, you know, it may have been a good performance, uh, you can argue that, or you, and a point I can make is that again, it's a game where we needed to be a couple of goals up, and it's just that lack of um, being clinical up front that's really sort of shafting us at the moment because we're trying to hang on to a one-nil lead. And whilst earlier in the season it looks like we wouldn't concede, it's now almost becoming inevitable that we are going to let in a goal. Um, at, Back to at the, the old moment. way back to the old way especially um, with McCarthy and I can understand Ralph's anger with you know if McCarthy is injured and doesn't let him know then you know and then is unable to kick and needs more prowls on the line then I can understand his anger towards that when you know Saints had another sub left and yes Harry Lewis seems to not be anywhere near Premier League standard but at least he can move along the uh, and we can play out from the back but anyway uh, let's let's look a bit forward here because not often would you say that an injury can be a blessing in disguise. And, you know, obviously hope McCarthy uh, gets back to full fitness quickly. But new man between the sticks. It's not Forster. It's not McCarthy. It's not even Lewis. But we've managed to get ourselves Big Willie Caballero. Um, Big Willie's in. Big Willie is in at the back to fill the gap. So... Um, Big Willie fill in the gap. That's what we like to. Uh, that's what we like to see. We do. We do. Um, I mean, yes, he's forty. Uh, he's probably not going to be the most flexible of people, but of the people that are available, you can't really get much more experience than what he's going to bring to the side. Yeah, we've got a um, an old, maybe inflexible Willie, but. <laughs> He's going to get the job done, and he's been around, so he he knows his, his he knows his way around. Um, he's he's good at handling balls, and he's it, I think I think it's a good signing. To mm. be honest, 
I did. It's funny. I said when when we realised that Force had gotten injured and we were doing the pre-match commentary, I said to Rob because I noticed that it was McCarthy and then Harry Lewis and another kid because mm-hmm. they have three keepers out. Didn't even know the other one was Jack Bycroft, and the, I think. But and anyway, I said, um, and I said, I said, if what happens if McCarthy gets injured? Do you know? Is it going to be a Casey Keller? moment all over again and then lo and behold after the game I find out that he, he did get an injury and uh, we're, we're not exactly um, we're not exactly strangers to the emergency loan when it comes to the keeper or an emergency free mm. agent you know we had it obviously with Casey Keller back Arthur. in the day when against when he played against Pompey uh, Arthur Boric we Mad signed man. in that first that first season when we realised it was a similar situation, actually. It was Gazaniga and, and Davis were both pretty useless at that level, same mm. as we've got now, and uh, in, come, in came Boric. But, yeah, Caballeros seemed like the obvious choice. You know, he's, he's experienced at a good level. Let's hope he's still got it because he's 40. He's been training with Wimbledon. He hasn't played competitive football in, in quite a bit, really, has he? But he's there to, you know, Big Willie's there to fill a gap. So... Um, I, I think he has to start against Arsenal. I don't think you bring him in as cover for Harry oh, Lewis. No, no. Uh, Although as I did see that online, but I do think, yeah, I do think Caballero is going to be the guy. Well, I did, I did see someone who'd be so typical Saints of um, them to bring in Caballero and then play Lewis because Caballero doesn't fit our style or he needs to get up to pace with the uh, the way that yeah. we play. Uh, but yeah, yeah no, one, uh, on a one month deal and after yeah. three weeks we decide yeah. he's good enough. Bench. So big really. Um, between the sticks, hopefully he plays well enough that Ralph doesn't have to pull him off at half time. Oh so, wow! Yeah, there we go. Throwing them all. Was that, was that? Tell me that was deliberate. That was deliberate. That was big deliberate. Ralph off Big Willie at half time, right? Okay. <laughs> exactly. Still anyway, anyway, we digress. We digress. Uh, to, again, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him in goal. Uh, he might even be a, an upgrade on what we have already. It's very much a, a short term thing. Um, they've not um, ruled out the opportunity of um, mm. extending Big Willie's stay though that is true that is true there, we, hopefully hopefully after this month we might be seeing more of him uh, but that I'd would... like to see Big Willie longer <laughs> if I'm honest um, I'm sure he's a hard right. man and girl anyway his first, his first game uh, is Good handling. At, the, at the Emirates um, against Arsenal who yeah, they're beatable, aren't they? We just yeah. uh, a lot of these teams are beatable. You just, I just find myself thinking, yeah, we can win this game as long as Ralph doesn't fuck it up. Really, you know, mm. I, I, you know, we will be the underdogs in this game, and they have, but they've they've just, you know, they've just lost to Everton. For goodness' sake, you know, Everton are absolute shambles. They lost to Man United, also an absolute shambles. You know that. The only team they've beaten, I think, in the last or since the last four games is is Newcastle, and um, even yeah, Newcastle gave them a game. Struggled in parts to do that, didn't they? So Smith Rowe, we're not sure out. if he's going to play. If he's I think out, he's going to be out. Yeah, for mm. uh, a huge Thacker as well could be out. Yeah, I think he's more likely to be involved, but uh, yeah, we'll have to see. It'll be interesting to see how we how we go at them. If we go at them from the start and get an early goal. Then you know what the Arsenal fans are like. They've exactly. gone from Arteta's, Arteta's the worst manager the Premier League's ever seen. Then he got, then he got about three wins in a row, and he's, um, he's the next Messiah. So, um, 
I wonder what will happen if they go 1-0 against Saints. We've got to go for it from the heart because we've been very good at capitalising on early pressure, getting an early goal. And then it's just about it's just about being competitive. And if we do get an early goal, being able to go back to the ways of defending like we did against Man United, West Ham, uh, Man City, etc. And all the teams we've beaten 1-0. At the same time, though, Arsenal will be looking at this as a prime opportunity to get back to winning ways with a majority fit squad, really. If Smith, Rowe and Saka are OK and they're only minor doubts, you know, I think they should be involved. Then I think Kolasinac is the only player that's that's not available for them. So um, pretty, pretty good bill of health. Would you make too many changes? Because the difference being now is that we've had a week mm. between games. We had, we had three games in a week. Now we've got seven days until we play this one. But this is once again the first of three games in in a week. Uh, again, uh, the first of two away games in London. Be interesting to see what they do. If they decide to stay up there or if they'll come back and go up again. But we've got Palace midweek. And then um, and then another London team, but down at St Mary's in, in Brentford. Yeah, it's very much a London week for, for Saints. Well, obviously we're going to be in... Uh, going to have to make some enforced changes. Salisu and Romeo both suspended for this game, having picked up their fifth yellow. Um, I think Bednarik is still injured. Uh, so, you know, it's going to be... Uh, obviously, I think it's most likely going to be Stevens and Lianco, which will be... that They're the ones who are going to have to protect Big Willie. Um... <laughs> got, to get, got, to, got to remember to put protection on Big Willie. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, I... Three games in a week. Livramento has to be uh, rested for one of them. Um, he looks shattered at the moment, and we're not going to get the best out of him if we completely um, just run him down completely. Yeah, especially going to do it when you're missing your first choice centre back pairing, which is for Ralph Huston at all. I you take would, a third one out of there. I might do. Purely because if we put Walker-Peters at right back, Walker-Peters is much better defensively, I think. And then we put Perot uh, on the left. It just, because Livermento, he looks absolutely, he looks absolutely shattered. And I think that the likes of Palace and Brentford are the games that you want him fit to be able to provide his sort of attacking impetus. Whereas with the Walker-Peters, we, Arsenal are going to want to have a reaction from what was a terrible performance against Everton, uh, and you know they've got Saka. Uh, if he, if he starts, they've got uh, some some decent attacking players. I think Walker Peters would be better, just as a better option, just because I th- just because he's better defensively. I know you don't want to change too much at the back, but at the same time, um, Livermento he's just he's just looked completely blown out of his ass by about twenty minutes in. I do. I do worry if um, if Smith Rowe plays that Romeo is suspended for this one because he's one of the players in the division that does actually play in that number ten role. He does make those mm-hmm. runs uh, quite late into the box, and Romeo I, th- I feel is our best option to keep tabs on him. Diallo isn't as good defensively as Romeo. He isn't as um, athletic in many ways and, and strong in the challenge and just sort of defensively minded. But I feel like Diallo is going to play in there with Walcott. Redmond has to keep his place. He's Did come you just a long say way, Walcott? isn't he? 
You said Walcott. I meant, sorry, did I say Walcott? Sorry. They were Walcott in the middle. Oh, my Lord. That is I'm a looking scary, at a list of Saints players. That is a scary sight to behold. Looking at a list of Saints players, so I know he's injured and must have seen Walcott. Sorry, Diallo and Walcott in the middle. Redmond has to keep his place, mm. which is a strange thing to be saying. Um, but, yeah, he's turned it round. Um, what do you think? Well, that's what I was going to say. What do you think of Teller? Because I think he played really well against Brighton. He's finally got his chance, two games in a row uh, for Ralph. And, uh, you know, we, we took him from the Arsenal Academy. So maybe maybe with a point to prove. Yeah, uh, I I was I was thinking about this because it's a, for me, it's a choice between him and Elia Nusi. I think Teller has been... He's been really good in those last couple of games, but then again, is it a chance, a, a game where you possibly change things up a bit? I think if you were to put Elianusi in instead, he likes to play a bit more central, which I think would um, allow Walker Peters to make some of those overlapping runs down down the right, which may drag a few players out of position. Because the Emirates is a big pitch, though. It is a big pitch, but also if you think about who's going to play, if it's most likely going to be Tierney then Tierney is going to be bombing up the, the left as much as possible, which could leave decent gaps at the back, which means if we're catching Arsenal on the counter-attack, if Ehrenlianusi manages to come inside, then Walker-Peters or whoever plays at right back might have acres of space to run into down that right side. Well, yeah, although if you're wingers, Nathan Teller, then you've got Teller already waiting to be, uh, to be on true. that counter-attack. I do think, you know, if you give me a choice between the two, it's Teller all day long. Mm. I don't think Ehrenlianusi is... <clears throat> is really taking his second chance by the scruff of the neck. And Teller is just... he. You want your attacking players to receive the ball and make you think something's going to happen. And when Teller gets on it, he, mm. he, he just looks so lively all the time. He's on the overlap. He played on the left side as opposed to the right, and I thought he looked good. Whereas I think yeah, Elianusi, Gineppo, mm. Walcott, just so uninspiring, really. I'm I'm very happy that Redmond seems to have um, yeah, pulled rank and, and improved him and Armstrong. I think he's your first choice there, um, Stuart Armstrong. But obviously he's injured. So um, and, and I'll go with Broyer and Adams up front. I thought Broyer yeah. once again was terrific as a target man. Took Let's, his goal brilliantly. I Let's think just talk about that goal. Still, still. still sliding. And, um, and Adam Armstrong is a great op- option, as I mentioned earlier, to have off the bench 55-60 minutes on a big pitch against Arsenal. But I think I do think Broyer could um Broyer and Adams, or Adams especially, could could bully Ben White a little bit. And then Broyer is the one who plays on the last man, although he's bigger, he can hold the ball up well. He, he could play on the last man. But I think those two give you options to hold the ball up. And then Adam Armstrong off the bench gives you the option to kind of go long and, and maybe chase things down later on. Mm. It's certainly a game that the more I the more we talk about it, the more I think this is definitely an opportunity. Maybe not to get a win, but may definitely there's definitely a point to get at Arsenal. I know they went through that decent run of form. You know they're up to seventh in the table after being uh, marooned at the bottom. But I think I was looking at who they actually got those wins against, and at the time that they played them, I think every win that they've got was against a team that was in the bottom half of the table. Now I know that that doesn't bode well for us because we're in the bottom half of the table, but it also makes their run sort of their, their climb up the table a little bit less um, inspiring as it were. 
impressive. That's that's the word because you know they've got wins against. They just about beat Norwich. That's sort of that set it off. Uh, yes, they got the good win against Spurs, but that was when Spurs were in a real real disarray. Um, Ramsdale won them the game against Leicester, didn't he? But they do find think, themselves. Yeah, he did in... make the greatest save anyone has ever seen in all of history with in against Leicester as well. Don't forget that it's the best yeah. save anyone apparently. has ever 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 made. Yeah, apparently, even though it was about twenty yards from his post, <laughs> um, apparently it's was yeah, it even it's, on target. It, yeah, um, it's, but... it's, uh, it's sensational. But yeah, they're, they're up in seventh now, so they have had a bit of a rejuvenation. Saints are down the sixteenth, although you know people are worrying. Oh, we're, there are only four teams beneath us, but we're six points from 18th and seven points from seventh. So, um, yeah, how much have we really got to worry about? Well, this last words. I know you say that, but also Norwich, yeah, they've had a bit of a turnaround, but they're still Norwich. Uh, Burnley don't look anywhere near inspiring at the moment. I know they got a decent win against Brentford the other week, but still uh, they've just lost to Newcastle and I know that Newcastle have just got a win um, but they have you seen Newcastle's fixture list have you no s- but I have seen their war chest for January that's the one worry the, the, I feel like Newcastle have got tough games coming up Watford are the other way around I think Watford are out of those four are the ones to worry about in terms of overtaking us because they've had a very tricky run they yeah. have actually picked up some points performances and going forward, they seem to have some threat now and like with the likes of King and uh, Dennis, who's been on fire. Uh, those, those, they're the team now where I think with their fixtures coming up, they've got the opportunity to maybe under Ranieri get a couple of wins. So Saints mm-hmm. need to, uh, to do the same because even the likes of Leeds have gone above us now. True, true. And um, Everton, goodness me. Well, I mean, just quickly touching on Newcastle, I know they've got their war chest, but their run-up to when that war chest can actually actually be used. Leicester away, Liverpool away, Man City at home, Manchester United at home, and then Everton away. Um, so I know, again, they could sign whoever they want to in January, but to be honest, they could be in real... Well, they're going to be in real trouble anyway. Um, they're going to so- need a big second after the season, aren't they? But... Yeah, mm. Burnley tend to pull themselves out of the mire. Yep. Norwich look a bit rejuvenated under Dean Smith, but how long will that last? Mm. Watford do have good attackers. And then we're the next ones in it. So we need to... I do think we're competitive in, in this division, though, and we will pick up the points. You know, we should have beaten Brighton, competitive with Leicester. You know, Liverpool was a tough one. But the, what do you think is going to happen against Arsenal then? What are you predicting? I've just got a feeling... that. We talk about everything and in some detail and what's good and bad about Arsenal, but I just I just feel like it's one of those games where you know you you either watch it or listen or, or listen to the updates on a Saturday and then just a goal comes through and it's Lacazette or it's a bad mm-hmm. or we just end up losing the game two 0 and just another day at the office another classic for Saints really I, I've got that kind of feeling about this game. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I think it's. I think we'll score. Uh, I, I do think that we'll we'll get a goal at the Emirates. I I'm not confident just because, you know, I don't think we have any right to, in the form that we're in at the moment, to to be like, oh, we're going to the Emirates against the team at seventh. Uh, we can get a we can get something. Now I hope that the team aren't thinking like that because, 
there is every chance that we could get something. Arsenal, if you know, if you if you're down in the dumps, then Arsenal is probably one of the best teams to be playing next because they're, you know, they're, you don't know what you're going to get. But will we get? Will they have a reaction? Some people are saying it's their worst performance in quite some time to lose at Everton. They've still got some decent players. They can be dangerous and they could easily win this game. I think we'll score. I'll probably lose. I think we'll probably lose 2-1, if I'm being completely honest. I'd imagine. After taking the lead. After taking the lead, exactly. But who That's knows right. Who knows what difference having a massive willy will make. The, the odds will be uh, pretty short on us to uh, go in front and lose the game. But yeah, I'd, I'd probably go with something similar. 2-1, although I didn't watch the game against Everton, but Richarlison bagged three goals that uh, sounded pretty legitimate. I've seen the, the replay of freeze frame on that offside, which was a joke. Mm. So I, I'd I'd certainly be looking at what Everton were doing with Richarlison and try and replicate that with uh, with Armando Broya because there's clearly a way in against Arsenal, as we know there is against their defence. And let's let's go there and try and exploit it. I'm quite. I'd be quite happy for us to go there and have a go, mm. rather than you know going to the likes of Anfield and trying to um, to outplay them in an attacking sense. Um, let's touch before we finish on fantasy Premier League. I haven't looked lights. on this one actually for for under a while. The under the under the lights. Just whilst you're loading that up. Table. It's a big week for Saints if we just quickly. If you think about Crystal Palace and Brentford are certainly games where we, we should be aiming to pick up points. Um, just on, just very, very quickly, what would you say would be an acceptable return from this week coming up? I think, I think four points would be a good mm. return. Um, this is a strange week because... It's not beyond the realms of possibility that we could get like a seven-pointer, but at the same time, it's, I could see us getting to the end of this run of three without having won a game. It, it sounds strange, but there aren't any... None, none of these are the toughest of tough games, but also none of them are the easiest games we can no. have. Brentford, I think, are a bit of an unknown quantity. They can kind of turn up or not at all. Palace have played really well. So far this season will be a hard game, but... You know, they're Palace and we've seen them over the years. And then Arsenal are Arsenal. Every team we're playing, I suppose, to summarise, every team we're playing is unpredictable. Yeah. As are, as are we. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't put any bets on these ones. Oh, I got 35 points last week. Armando Breuer getting my, uh, getting my highest yeah. score with eight. Staying in, staying with the, in the, in the top 40 there, mate. I think the, uh, Get in. the biggest points hauls from 77 points from Mo well done Mo played your bench boost well uh, done Mo what's his, what's his team name of course yeah. I've he's just done, he's done well he's got yeah he's played his bench well his bench boost was shite actually and he got yeah no one got more than three points off the bench but he's got Salah captain Bowen for 11 points Callum Wilson Trent McGinn you know they, they've all got all got points, so uh, well done, Mo. What's the team name? Musty Pierre. Right, don't know what. Yeah, don't know what that is, but Mo's done well. Tricky Scummers gained ten points on me, but I'm still just about clinging on at the top. Right, that should conclude. Yeah, a uh, 
much longer than expected as per usual episode, but we have covered a fair bit, having not been on for over a week or for three games. So, um, yeah, let's get this out and have a look forward to the Arsenal game. Um, hopefully no one's lost with not having three games in a week in this this midweek. Calling it Wednesday, aren't we? But uh, no no Premier League games this midweek, so hopefully everyone's still... Um, no one's pottering around trying to figure out what they're going to be doing this week. And we've uh, we've got that for next week, another three games in a week. So uh, football will be back well and truly with that Arsenal game. And of course, another thing to look forward to in uh, in a month or so, less than a month now, is the uh, the third round of the FA Cup. Pompey, we'll see you there. Mm, another away tie for Saints at Swansea. Let's hope they book themselves a better hotel than they did the last time we went Southampton, to Wales. Gabbiadini on an emergency loan. <laughs> yeah, we, we've got that to look forward to. We've got Christmas to look forward to before that, but we'll be on before then. So we you can on. listen to us dribble on about, hopefully, some big performances, some big points and some big willy. <laughs> If you want to find the podcast, you can find it on Twitter at underscore, under underscore Saints. You can find me at T214Murray. Find me at Callum Wilson 21. Hope you've enjoyed this episode. And as always, stay safe. Stay wonderful. <laughs>